What we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Soul Separately Weekly Podcast dedicated to all of you amazing human beings who continue to tune in every single week. Uh, I, we have a ton of new listeners and I am so grateful for all of you guys. For any of the new listeners, it's nice to meet you. I'm Matt Goddessman at Matt Goddessman on Instagram. And I always like to do a, a freestyle intro because I always feel like it's like a first time I'm meeting some of you. Um, you guys can reach out to me on Instagram. I actually answer every text, reply, response, DM I have on all of my accounts the last so many years, eight years, nine years now. Uh, and I love to hear from you guys. And uh, to my OG listeners, I appreciate you guys for always tuning in and for all the ratings and reviews. My newer listeners, I always say that I don't like to glamorize or glorify success. That is not this podcast. I cannot do that for you. Success is a very arbitrary word. And um, the world will try to define it for you if you let it. And that is truly up to you. Uh, it's all about what lights you up. What path do you want to take with your soul? And all my guests that come on every single week, it's the same. They are, they've done anything but conventional paths. And uh, it's not so much that they're either on their first venture, their 50th, or they're, you know, creators doing amazing things in this world. It's more so about what are they learning about themselves along the way? and um you know how that can be applied and also it breaks into the the human side of entrepreneurship and creativity and you know we're all relatively the same and we all have our own unique path right and only you can really define that but you do get to see from other creators out there other people um you know out there in the world we're all very similar we all go through different similar things in different seasons right and so Love having you guys here. Thank you for tuning in. I have another incredible guest who uh, we've already had uh, a conversation yesterday and a long, lengthy one that was amazing. I, it's actually one of my favorite uh, podcast conversations, and I've been following him for quite some time. Mark Groves, you guys know him probably also as Create the Love on Instagram, speaker, writer, motivator, creator, and collaborator. So you already know why I love this guy, <laughs> because if this sounds like my bio... Uh, it is. Um, you you may know him. He's a human connection specialist, uh, founder of Create the Love and Mind, and host of the Mark Groves podcast. And um, you know, he's his work bridges the academic and the human, which we've had great conversations on already, inviting people to explore the good, the bad, and the downright ugly and the beautiful sides of connection. Uh, you guys already know how I feel about that as well, too. And his purpose is to empower individuals to step into their power, transform the way they relate to themselves and others, and create authentic change for life and love they'll look back on with a resounding fuck yes. Um, Mark, thank you so much for being here, man. I truly appreciate having you on the show. Oh, man, I'm so excited to be here. Excited after our conversation yesterday. I'm like, whoo, pumped yeah. up. Yeah, I for everybody listening, uh, we had an incredible conversation yesterday. It was about an hour and a half, and we from love and relationships to stoicism and uh, you know um, philosophy and uh, science and biology and spirituality and entrepreneurship and social media. I mean, we covered everything. Um, just hit everything. Everything we covered everything. Um, it was definitely a Joe Rogan length almost discussion. Um, so for everybody that's listening, you know, I know I've mentioned a bunch of things that you do, and they've definitely seen your work online. I mean, even just as I put up yesterday that, hey, we're going to have a great conversation again tomorrow, uh, 
they like love you. But what, you know, if I always start the first question is always the same. Like, how did we get here? And then we're just going to riff on, um, you know, several different things, especially about the changing landscape that's happening now as creators and, you know, and in entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and kind of owning more of our own path and not being afraid to change directions or bolt on, you know, additional parts to our journey. But how did we get to here so far? Man, the direction of our lives. I think it is uh, Steve Jobs who said you can only connect the dots looking back right. so uh, <laughs> you know when i when i go back and connect them uh i was originally really fascinated with human behavior from a sales and business perspective like how do i get people to change to buy my product i was a pharmaceutical rep uh for years i worked in that industry and studied sales studied essentially i guess manipulation you know and and not that that's a bad thing uh, when it comes like what do they say that uh if you can get a successful sale is to get someone to buy something they actually want. And when I went through a breakup in my late twenties, I wondered to myself, why am I so good at talking about everything but my feelings? Like that didn't make mm -hmm. sense. I had this skill set relationally and I was obsessed with studying it, but I was not obsessed with figuring out how I could show up romantically. And uh, it was the pain of that recognition that made me just like, I want to be good at relationships. I want to be good at love. And so I dove deep into the science on romantic relationships and connection. Like, why do some relationships last, others not? Why do some stay together forever and love each other? And why do some stay together forever and hate each other? You know, that was a strange thing for me to witness. And then I uh, started to write about what I was learning. I started to write about my own failures, my own, well, what I saw as as opportunities for to learn and be better at love and then as i started stepping into entrepreneurship and left sort of the structured world of corporate i realized how much entrepreneurship was such an ex uh, a personal growth expansion in itself because nothing else will test your worth than charging for what you're providing to the world and so that's been such a that i mean that's essentially what brought me here today to this chair so that's a great question thanks for asking yeah, you know, um, there's a, a lot in there. First of all, I, I think one of my favorite quotes I ever heard was, and I've, I've referenced this a lot, um, entrepreneurship is a immediate gateway to personal development. <laughs> you, know, you have no choice. Okay. You're going to, you have to figure out so much about yourself. And then um, I love when you were saying, you know, um, you want to be good at love and relationships. And what was cool is that um, you basically were documenting along the way, which is really what I think um most of the human connection wants would like you know why are you doing what you're doing well this is what i wanted to talk about and this is where i want to go with it and this is what i want to learn and by the way i have no problem sharing with all of you along the way you know my natural curiosity right and um how you know how did that where where did it what started to happen so you you went online right and you were just openly talking about this uh about the subject matter, what was the kind of the, the inflection point where you're like, oh, this is getting, I don't want to say out of hand, but this is like getting, you know, interesting where, <laughs> where you're, you know, like where people where a lot of people just, you know, and I'm, I'm assuming they were like reaching out to you and just asking all kinds of questions as you were learning as well along the way. Yeah, it started out with just a feeling, you know, as right. I was learning about relationships, I thought to myself, man, like, 
I left this relationship with a really incredible person. And that was hard because how could choosing myself be leaving what I've been taught to choose? Like that was a strange tension that was hard to live with. And, and to, in making that choice, which was really one of the first choices I made in my adult life, that was about me. That was about like me being and honoring myself, but in honoring myself, hurting somebody else. That was also a painful tension to hold. And what I saw when the relationship ended was that society also really made it so that people whose relationships ended felt like failures, yes. you know, and, and like divorce, you know, and I thought to myself, well, that's a strange thing because I feel more liberated than I've ever felt. I feel more empowered than I've ever felt. I feel more aligned than I've ever felt. Yet in the eyes of some people, I'm actually a failure and I'm afraid of commitment. Yet the commitment to myself was strengthened. I, I used to be a total doormat. So this was like one of the first choices that was about me. And I think when we're used to orienting around other people, a choice that actually is required, whether that's an awareness that you have to make a choice because it's painful to stay in a job, to stay in a relationship, to stay silent, whatever it is, that pain, it, it, it might be a choice that you have to make and you will feel selfish at first if you've never made choices that are about you. And so that, that part of starting to write about, like I was, I, I was, the first motivator I had was that I felt like no one was telling the truth about relationships. <laughs> You know, like I grew up going to a Catholic school, like there was the message I was taught was get married by 27 to 30, have kids by 30 to 35. And if you don't do that, there's sort of something wrong with you. Well, there's already something wrong with that narrative because it places our value and our relationship status. And, and, you know, like all the boxes you check, like you said at the beginning, like success will be defined for you unless you define it for yourself. And I, you know, like you said, I encourage people to define relationship for themselves, love for themselves, like success because if success is staying together but not feeling connected to yourself or the other person or either or or both then that's not success in love you know and it's uh i started writing about these awarenesses i started to write about what i was witnessing and the first one i ever did was just to post on my status on facebook and it got tons of interaction just from friends and then i had this calling you know it just kept calling like you need to start doing this on a larger scale. I started, I went back to school, studied positive psychology. I started a, a blog that was blog days, you know, blog mm -hmm. times. And I started a blog and that did really well. And I started coaching and then I started an Instagram, which everyone told me like, you can't write long form content on Instagram. It's for photographers. <laughs> but at that point I was kind of like, get fucked. Like I'm tired of people telling me how to live. Like that's how I stayed in a relationship for too long. That's how I stayed in a job for too long. You know, it was like, I was, I was starting to recognize that so much of what we're taught is just people passing down the prison, you know, between generations. Ooh. And I, you know, I, I, I say this now, but it was like, I felt like I break, I broke free and you and I spoke on the podcast yesterday about but then you sort of just enter another prison of ideology or like a new level. And what do they say? New levels, new devils. So I just kind of figured, you know, I find myself continuing to uh, make my old ceiling, my new floor. But every time you up level, there is things that you have to work through and process like growth is a ongoing, ongoing experience. You know, uh, again, so many good things in there when um, society has made it feel like failures and it's not. It is liberating, like to do the right thing and which 
is in the right thing, not just for, often at times, not just for you, but for the receiving end, whether it's like, hey, I, I don't want to work for you anymore. And you should want that. If I don't want to work for you, I'm probably not going to give the output that you want. Or in a relationship, you know, it's like, well, you know what, I, I think there might be somebody more for you, you know, and there's somebody more for me, like, I want to honor that I want to actually do the right thing. It's actually very liberating. And it's so interesting that, you know, I, I, like you, I, I had a very similar path, you know, my I had my breakup, and then I like was like, I'm taking to the internet. You know? <laughs> and I was like, I'm just gonna write about they're lying about entrepreneurship. This is not fun. <laughs> this is not like you'll just sell for $50 million. And then, you know, now, oh, and by the way, now, now we can feature you in Forbes, which I found like out how many people were, you know, paying for articles, <laughs> like all this stuff that you're just like, right. oh, you know, and I was like, they're not, they're lying about entrepreneurship and their, and, and relationships and life. And, you know, and and then you're like, you're, you're right. It's like new levels, new devils. It's like, well, I also realized, well, how much, you know, how in tune are they are with, with maybe they're just still chasing the success as well too. And they're, they're figuring it out and, and haven't, and therefore they're abiding by like society standards. This is our statuses. These are our titles. And this is how we define you. And I fundamentally feel, I think that people are trying to define everybody else so they can understand at where they're at as well. Um, and that is tricky because then that goes into comparison that goes into like, you know, are we then not tapping into you? Like you said, like our, our, what we really like our calling or what we really feel is right for us. Um, and connected. Um, so, uh, I love that you, I, I, as, as I'm listening to your story, I'm like, this makes all sense why we're like soul brothers. I'm like, <laughs> it's like this whole path, you know, and I, and I love that you, you, you cared enough about your calling to go back and study. I was looking at some of the notes, study positive uh, psychology and um, uh, and just understand with like mastery level uh, attention and intention, like, hey, what's really going on? Like what's actually happening with us um, intuitively, psychologically? And, um, you know, I want to talk about it. And it was cool that you didn't listen to people who said, you know, no, that's, it's only for photographers. I get it. Same, <laughs> you know, right. uh, everything. Right. And, um, which makes sense that if we, we listen to a collective, we miss the opportunity to hear ourselves. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, and so it's, so, and then as you've built, you know, this, um, uh, great audience and following, um, you know, from the entrepreneurial side, how has that been? Because, you know, something that you brought up that was interesting, and I know we talked a little bit about this yesterday, but when you're saying the new levels, new devils, it's interesting. Um, we grow, we're constantly growing too. And as we're growing, so are, are the things that we're mastering personally and not always just in our relationships or in business. Sometimes it's in our bodies. Sometimes it's in our um, psychology. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's in our finances. <laughs> it's like, it's all of these things. And suddenly, you know, this new level of mastery, we want to, we want to be more than one thing, we want to teach more, or we want to open up even more about the things that we maybe hadn't previously, right? So have you have you watched um, the business change, or the direction change, or the things that you want to talk about change? Yeah, I mean, allowing the evolution of our interest is such a, like uh, it's been an interesting thing when our identities are, even though by accident, get tied to what we do and maybe we derive value or applause or likes or whatever views um money 
So it's easy to get stuck in what we know is familiar, which is the same trap as the relationship, as the job, as the, right? So I think a lot about that. I, you know, years ago, I just had this awareness of, of sometimes the dream you have is not the dream you had. And, and I think sometimes we have a hard time letting that die. And I remember talking to my partner, Kylie, about it. And she said such a beautiful thing. She said, let it be a good death. Mm. And I sat with that, like, what does it mean, good death? Like, to, for something to die well, for us to die well. Stephen Jenkinson talks about death in that context, like literal mortality. And I remember someone saying to him, like, oh, our relationship to death. And he said, look at you, use words to distance yourself from it. And I think we do that with our own identities. The things that need to go the is the reactive part of us, the part of us that is codependent, the part of us that sources worth through applause and status. And, you know, ultimately, I would say the journey of liberation, whether it's through relationship or entrepreneurship or both, because I think eventually those things sort of tie together. Like you can't work for a corporation that you don't feel aligned with when your life is aligned. Like it, it, that idea, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. I think that's very true in the context of if you turn down your sensitivity and your heart to accommodate anything in your life, you have to turn it down with everything in your yeah. life. And we don't recognize the cost of that. And that's why I think the version of, or sorry, the, the journey of coming alive or coming or giving birth or coming home to ourselves or using our voice or whatever it is, it actually requires this reorganization of sourcing worth from ourselves versus sourcing worth from the approval of other people. And that is a really uh, oppositional conflict because if I've always sourced worth by performing or being or making choices that my mom and dad approve of, that my culture approves of, that my partner approves of, the moment I start choosing myself, I will feel a sense of liberation, like, oh my God, I'm so excited. I've got my own back. And then we might get the criticism of the people around us, which is our greatest fear. And so we might collapse and go back to where we were. But really, it is, th and that's ironically, usually where we teach from, is like yeah. the, is how to walk that. Like, how do I choose me? And source my own worth instead of pretzeling myself for all the the ways I've pretzled myself, which society celebrates a pretzel, you know, like oh, yeah. so society loves someone who accommodates the narratives, the stories. And there's not to say that there's always things wrong with society. You know, there are good things that we learn and inherit, but there are a lot of things that we learn and inherit that aren't great. There are a lot of like the ways that we're currently being fed the way, you know, not just nutritionally from food, but also from media. I mean, there's so many aspects and true liberation is being able to choose yourself and choose the direction of your life, knowing that it might not align with the expectations of others. And it will definitely ruffle feathers of people who are still in that. And when we step into our potential, then our potential becomes a reflection of them not doing that. And it's easier for them to keep us small so they can stay small to get permission. But we have to see that, much like you said earlier, if a relationship's not for me, it's not for the other person. They just might not know it yet. If a job's not for me, it's not for the other person. If someone as my employee is not for me, it's not for, you know, it's like we have so much arrogance that we think till we don't, 
that we know what's best for someone else. Like even right. staying with someone, assuming that you don't want their feelings to be hurt is actually not allowing them the liberation of that this could be and is the best thing for them if it's the best thing for you. I mean, these are, I think, painful things to live, but you know, we can know them, but to live them is to actually walk through the pain of potentially not belonging to a group in order to belong to ourselves, which then leads us to the group that shares the same values, which is, again, another sort of uh, <laughs> ambivalent space that you have to walk. And I think it's actually the rite of passage in a, the initiation to the new level, if that makes sense. I said a lot of stuff. No, there's, again, so much good stuff in there. You know, the mirror of society is a very interesting one. You know, whether, I think, I think some people in, in, intentionally want to make you small. I think most don't realize they're doing it and they're doing yeah, it out of their agreed. own, their, their nervous system being, it's nervous. What do you mean you're going to do this? What about this? What about this? Yeah, what about totally. this? What about, what's going to happen here, here? And have you thought about what happened to so-and-so? And you're like, I don't know so-and-so's path, but like, I mean, I'm sorry that that happened. We don't even know if, well, was he supposed to be a sheep herder instead of a CPA? I don't really know, but I want to go be a pianist. And I was this, you know, it's like, it, we, um, we're sourcing from our own worth and our value and our own understanding internally and our, and our relationship with ourselves and, mm -hmm. and our intuition and God. And, and it's like, I got to follow that. Like we were talking about that yesterday, you know, I got to follow the feeling, um, that's going to make people nervous because it's like, well, yeah. subconsciously watching you do it is reminding me I'm not. And yeah, that is very, and then think about the words, the choice of words that they use, right? So you think that's a little unsafe? Don't you think that's a little, um, you know, that's not very secure of you to do that. There's no security in that. There's no this. Yeah, and I'm like, you're telling me that what you have is security? You know, and because society uh, has made security right. from um, the money and the job. And I'm like, in 2020, y'all seem to lose a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of job loss. And I felt so bad because I, I saw that. I started talking about this eight years ago that that could happen where, um, you know, <laughs> we're important until it's not, you know, when other people are making choices for us, you know, or, or choices on our value and or whatever it might be. And um, that unless you're doing it really, really well, um, you know, uh, and then you still have options, whether you do leave that job and go anywhere else or you do get fired and you just have options in general because you're like, oh, I, you know, I love what I do. And I think that um, people not being able to rely on their own gifts and their own talents gets them kind of like into this this is security i'm like is it well what happens if mm -hmm. it's taken away what will you do you know what will happen right so i think the mirror there was you know is is, is it's right society i think just kind of like they feel nervous watching you not be nervous doing something um unexpected and uncertain um, but you handling uncertainty with like, let's do this. <laughs> you know, they look like, what's going to happen, right? Yeah, that, you know, I think about being in relationship. And let's say, I think a lot of our fear, whether it's friendship or romantic, mm -hmm. are a lot of our fear when someone else is following what they love, a feeling which feels so abstract in a, in a world that celebrates the mind. So, you know, in, in academics and, you know, they I've, there's a saying that the professor is the new high priest. And I think that's very much the way we sort of look at academia and, and status and, and sorry, uh, credentialism and all that kind of stuff, which mm -hmm. isn't negating the value of credentials, but saying it's not actually where 
value is only your value is not found in that. And if we believe it is, then we'll, and it doesn't mean we can't want that, but if we believe it must live there, then we're still participating in the game. And sometimes we got to play the game. And, yeah. you know, I think when, when someone is following a feeling, the fear we often have as friends, but especially as romantic partners is that the feeling will draw them away from us. And so we fear that they'll be brought away from us. So our fear of them getting big is actually our fear of not being together anymore. Yes. And so we'd rather them not follow the feeling and stay in the relationship, but then the relationship doesn't actually operate in service of each other's expansion. And really, if a relationship is to be sacred, which is really the work that I invite people to move towards, it is that the relationship actually becomes the birthplace or the motivation to step towards those expansions. Because ironically, when you look at the birth of most people's passions or when they go back to adventure, it's when the relationship ends. They book the trip to Italy. They book, they go back to school. They do the, they start the entrepreneurship, which you and I are both products of that. Um, and I think that's such the beauty of taking pain and alchemizing it. And mm -hmm. my friend, John Morrow says, if you want to find what you love, find what breaks your heart. Ooh. And <laughs> I think to me, that is a powerful way to figure out what do you want to do? What do you want to teach? How do you want to be of service? And, you know, I, I think about this question a lot recently. It's like, how is you in, how is you in your highest expression, in your highest potential? not in service of your relationship and the world. And logically, that's so obvious, but to actually live it is very different. And you and I talked about this yesterday, and I love how you said, like, when you place truth above all, like when you lay truth at the altar of relationship, you're actually in service of the relationship and the relationship can deepen because it's it's made by choice, not by not by have to or should, but by choose because this relationship actually feeds me. It actually, you are the mirror to my potential that is unlived. And you, you and I both know that the ferocious calling forward of an aligned, powerful woman is actually one of the greatest vehicles to our evolution. I think that's true of any relational structure, regardless of gender. Um, but we know it in, in that reflection. And I know that's true, Kylie, when she's like, hey, can I offer you some feedback? I don't love it, <laughs> but I also know that I must listen, you know? Yeah, I, lo I love that. It's, it's true. I'm like, yes, yes, you can offer it. Absolutely. Yes. I'm like, yes, please. Give it to me. Like, I want to I wanna hear this. And um, it's so hot. It is. It really is because they're tapping into a feeling that even sometimes they're still coming into an understanding of whether they are communicating it for its literal translation or a feeling that is a uh, feeling that's different than the actual words being used, <laughs> which is what whole so men true. are from Mars, women are from Venus, which is why we get to be like, oh, let me feel like what you're saying. Like, you know, what are you what are you tapping into? Because they're when they're in their knowing, whew, they are in their knowing. Oh, man, get out of the way. Yeah. And it's, it's great to like, to have that. Um, you know, I, I think I, whenever I can, I try to use the analogy. I know this sounds funny, but it's sometimes, you know, right. Simplicity helps get the point across to people. And I always like to use mm -hmm. Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and people were like, okay. And I'm like, well, Michael couldn't really win championships until Scotty was his teammate. 
um, he kept getting to the semifinals, but they really couldn't get in the finals. And, um, and then when they, even if they came close, they would lose. And like, right. I was like, well, he found his partner, his running mate. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, now let's talk about game seven championship mentality. Like, and I was like, well, um, so to your point about, um, uh, they chose each other as, uh, um, as, as teammates and to get to game seven, you lost half the time. That's a 50% losing streak. <laughs> you know say like you are not always winning. And people go like, okay. And I'm like, in those games that you're not winning, what's going on? And now you have two individuals watching and rolling back the tape each day. And be like, where was I off? Where was it this? You have communication. Hey, Scotty, what's going on? Um, you always make those mm-hmm. shots. What's going on? What's going on in your head? What's going on in the home? What's going on outside of here? What's going on on the court? What's going on with your body? What's happening? I need to know. I need to know what's happening to you because do I need to alter how many shots I take? Do I have to pick up some extra support and slack for, you know, for what you may be struggling with right now? Or do I need to maybe alter something about how I'm like setting up the plays for you? Wait, let's, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta communicate. We have to, you know, we have to make that choice together to keep moving together. And, um, you know, and, and you can't do that without, like you were mentioning this raw honesty, which is just like, I mean, it's so attractive, right? As we were talking about even yesterday as well, too. It's like, um, man, when you're like, thank you for catching that. I am struggling. <laughs> you know, like I, this is what's actually yeah. going on. Like, thank you for telling me, like, do you need some help here and here? I'm like, yeah, I do. Which is a practice of humility and vulnerability. Like we cannot do everything by ourselves as much as we'd like to, you know, no man is an island as the expression goes. Like we need, um, uh we need good team dynamic in the you know what, what's that famous expression you know if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together right it's like mm-hmm. you know the greatest things are done with team dynamic so that honesty and team dynamic so i always love using the analogy it seems like people go huh and it's like right i mean that's a so team true. dynamic right yeah i admit it's, i i think in a world too that has celebrated individualism in a good way at first you know the the sort of separation from overt collect like either one of the extremes of overt individualism <laughs> or overt collectivism neither of them are actually healthy because one person finds themselves alone and the other one person finds themselves walking off a cliff with a bunch of other people you know so <laughs> it, it requires this balance of togetherness and separateness which is actually the truth of of relationship. It requires this balance. And, you know, most of us struggle to hold on to ourselves in love. And Mm -hmm. a lot of us Mm -hmm. struggle to hold on to relationship at the cost of self. So there's this, again, balance of how do I hold on to me and be in any relationship? And, you know, I think in the struggle of entrepreneurship and what you were talking about relationally too, and you mentioned the nervous system is, ultimately we're being asked to hold the discomfort of difference and a lot of us reach out to things when we're uncomfortable instead of you know as the uh, psychotherapist francis weller would say as opposed to letting it cook us like letting the discomfort cook us let the space we've never been in transform us so we can become what's being asked of us and that's why i think entrepreneurship is like one of the ultimate places to get cooked because <laughs> you're having to learn things you never learn. Yeah. They don't teach most of it in school, but None you know now they have entrepreneurship programs, which is great. Um, 
and they don't teach relationships in school. So here's another one. They don't teach finance. So welcome to that one. And they don't teach nutrition. So all the fucking things you actually need most, not taught in school generally, not taught in high school and junior high, but you have all these things that are demanded of you to create next level of anything. And that's why the moment you step towards getting a nutritional, uh, eating a nutritious diet, repairing your relationship with your body, dealing with health stuff, dealing with relational stuff, dealing with workplace stuff, you're being asked to go to the edge of what you know. <laughs> and I think we all know psychologically, like, yeah, the familiar is great, but you, you know, you use that line uh, yesterday when we were chatting, like, when does the pain of staying the same become greater than the pain of change? And I think often we disassociate from the pain of staying the same and it becomes the reason we drink a lot of Chardonnay or, or scroll TikTok or whatever we do because we don't want to feel that. But that pain is actually the signal to like, hey, change your fucking life. Like mm -hmm. change your relationship. You don't have to settle. You don't have to live half with half your heart open. Like you should be bringing all of that to the world and the world actually needs you in that not in your settling bullshit like lower standard way like we actually need you in integrity we need you in alignment that's what's inspirational you know instead of presenting on social media that everything's great and you got your poop in a group but really shit's falling apart it's like that's what people identify with you yeah know, the journey through the muck yeah with that well they they can relate to you. They'll be like, oh man, you go through it too? Like, yeah. absolutely, I go through it. I just don't want to stay the same. <laughs> you know? So like, so if right. I have if I have to go first and you guys want to, you know, follow and be inspired by, um, you know, the 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 trips and the falls, whatever, or the the discovery of the data and I'm just paying the data forward, great. That's why I loved when you were saying like, you know, I, I wanted to really hone in on on love and relationships relationships i want to really have a relationship with that that those ideologies and learn about myself and why am i not talking more about this why am i not more connected i'm going to do that and then i'm going to share it i'm going to keep passing the elevator back down you know so that way you know i a long time ago on on, my, on one of my accounts i'd written i'm like it's lonely on top so i want to take you all with me you know obviously you got to kind of be willing to do the work but <laughs> you know it's so i realized that too like not everybody will do the work but you're right um that owning um your greatness versus like settling for that like that mediocrity or that that you know like you're more than that you're way more than that and, and we can all get distracted like you were even you were saying earlier about how um kind of performing for the relationships and for the jobs and for you know all the other the things outside of us versus ourselves when we sacrifice ourselves and it's interesting because it it's it's also a concept not taught in school because people then go like oh aren't you being selfish you're like that's a different kind of selfish if I'm yeah. really feeding myself really well and doing things with the highest and best self and, and integrity and with values, I'm actually demonstrating to the majority and able to handle that much more, you know, uh, and I think it was like Esther Perel, right? She was in Mating in Captivity. That was what <laughs> she talked about um, individualism and she, she was talking about hyper-independence versus, you know, you need autonomy in a relationship. You have to be your most authentic individual self. You you have to, you have two people who have to be, I need you to be you. I need to be me because I want you to be the greatest you. And if you're the greatest you and I'm constantly shooting for the greatest me, then when we make decisions together for the shared vision, 
we're bringing our better selves into each of those decisions. So whatever, you know, makes you your growth, like your honesty and your choices and your individuality, you know, and your, your habits and your routines, I need you to show up for those. And then I, and I, I realized, and I, I wrote about this little, um, probably about three or four months back about, I was like, Bella's the greatest gift you can give women, you know, is, um, the like the the gift of like their freedom basically to like allow them to not have to raise you <laughs> you know it's like you know let when they can surrender to you and i and i get it surrender is a very tricky word it's become a tricky word i was like no surrender is actually freedom i was like because when you make the space as a man so safe for a woman like i don't need you to raise me i just want to keep making really 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 great decisions and make the space so safe for you to be all in on yourself surrender all of you so your only job is basically to keep improving you and that supports me while i support you and the environment is a is a safe place to just individually grow and contribute right and uh everybody loved the post except for one woman who misinterpreted it <laughs> which i'm sure you've dealt with <laughs> she's like men don't need to give us anything i'm like I, you know uh you missed the, the line three line three <laughs> and she went yeah. on a tear and it's just like we can do it ourselves i'm like yeah no i think you're missing the line eight right <laughs> it's okay i was like well you don't have to do it yourself you know right. that's the that's the beauty of relationship is we are meant to depend on each other and rely on each other. Mm -hmm. I think at the basis of, I mean, at the basis of all relationships and even indicative of a healthy culture is psychological safety is the safety to be ourselves. And, you know, if in the context of, you know, you were talking about men, if a man, if a man doesn't stand up for his purpose, for what he loves in his life, if he doesn't protect it, then a woman, but in general, people won't trust him because yes. they know that he'll collapse. Yes. And, you know, there's a great line in the book by Robert Glover, No More Mr. Nice Guy, where he says, if you don't stand up to her, she won't believe you'll stand up for her. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I kind of look back at my earlier relationships being like, oh yeah, my people pleasing actually was completely shattering trust because my people pleasing yeah. was a contrived way of getting, um, to try to control my environment, to get people to stay, to never have to feel left. But that's the same collapsing behavior that makes it so I want to stay in jobs that I don't like, relationships right. that don't serve me. You know, and it's it's such a, it, it seems like an odd thing to call it a gift when you go through that. But, you know, ultimately we are our word. And yeah. if we can't tell the truth, then people can't trust us and our relationships are not inherently safe. That's a hundred, that's so spot on. Um, if I'm consistent, clear, directional, honest, forthright, you know, <clears throat> um, making good decisions, you can trust that you can feel safe at the way I am making decisions and, and how I'm, I'm leading. And if I'm honest to you, no matter what, um, you know, that you may not like to hear it, but you'd be like, man's got integrity, you know, and to your point, it's right. like, you know, if he can stand up to me, he can stand up for me and he can stand up to anybody and he can't be compromised. You know, I think that that's, that's the, um, you may not always like the decisions, uh, like, because maybe it's not the, the thing that you want to hear at the moment. I know like David data kind of talked a little bit about that, um, in, in, um, uh, I know, you know, the book, the <laughs> Uh, yeah, the way of the superior man, you know, where it's like, man, if he follows his North Star and he's very committed to his purpose, 
a woman can really find that reliable because it's like, oh, wow, like he may say no here, but then when he does say yes, I know he's giving me intentional time, right? Is what she would feel like, wow, he's actually being very intentional with his time. Like, you know, and this is very focused and very present. Um, and then when he does say no, I know that he's very focused. He can, he knows how to, if he knows how to say no to me, he knows how to say no to other distractions and yeah. temptations out there. And that's a big one because it's like, you want me to say no, <laughs> because that means I'm not easily swayed. And if I'm not easily swayed or tempted, there's a lot of distractions out there that can easily, you know, tempt me away from my path. Isn't it good to know that I'm not easily, uh, you know, swayed from my path, which is also something that you're kind of relying on in this partnership, in this union, right? Yeah, my integrity. It's like, am I willing to stay in my integrity? Mm -hmm. And generally niceness, like when it's a survival strategy and an adaptive strategy, uh, which no matter our gender, that can be a big adaptive strategy, yep. is to like people please. It's it's not an integrity. We're actually, we are willing to sell out our integrity and our purpose to keep connection. Again, that like not willing to hold on to myself and be in relationship. I believe that there must be a cost. But when you start to stand in your worth, stand in your voice, what you want to do with your life, you realize that you can create a life that is actually centered. And I don't mean self-centered, but like centered around you as an individual and the person you're in relationship with, their life is centered around them as an individual. And the relationship becomes a separate entity that both people are contributing towards. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember it's Harville Hendricks and Helen Hunt wrote a book called Getting the Love You Want. And in that book, they talk about how uh, most of us say, my relationship is not giving me what I need, when we really should be saying, what does my relationship need from me in order yes. to feel that way? And I thought, wow, that's such a different different way of orienting towards relationship, which I didn't, you know, before my relationship ending in my late twenties, you know, I look back and I'm like, oh, my poor ex-girlfriends. Cause that's not how I saw love. That's not, I didn't have integrity with my word. I was totally terrified of being loved because I was afraid of being seen. And, you know, I think about how, if we don't stand in our fullest power and we believe we blame the world or our parents for that, which doesn't mean they can't play a role. Um, we actually end up being in martyr energy and martyr. I learned that the word actually means to be witnessed or, mm. or it's etymology comes from the word witness. And I think we just desperately want to witness ourselves And in doing that, that is actually giving birth to the things we love and what wants to be said. And that could be terrifying because you have to actually expand your capacity of your nervous system, which is a biological survival based, um, mechanism, which is important. But you know, the, the nervous system doesn't know the difference between the real threat and the perceived threat. So we have to begin to know how to manage our capacity and stretch it in a way that feels doable, which in order to do that, we have to feel resourced. And that's why things like this podcast, the work that you do, groups hanging out with, like I'm part of a men's group. My men's group makes me more powerful. It makes, they hold me to integrity. They're not here to fuck around. Like they're like, Mark, I don't like the way you're doing that. Or Mark, I see you playing small here. And I'm like, shit, this is hard to be in a group that's <laughs> whole purpose is to call you to your greatness. But that's yeah. terrifying, yeah. you know? It's it, the men's groups are interesting. Uh, you know, as I was telling you yesterday about, you know, there's one here that we, we I co-facilitate. And um, and it's it's fascinating because sometimes I'm like, man, if the women heard this, they would like <laughs> love us even more. <laughs> They'd be like, really? You guys go through that? It's like, yeah. 
We go through yeah. that. And I'm sure it's and vice versa. If we were flies on the wall in your guys' groups, it's probably the same. Like, interesting. You know, I had a recent um epiphany that was uh and we didn't get to share I didn't get to share this yesterday, but um the greater I connect to myself and God, it just hit me. This is probably about a month and a half ago. And I'm like, is that what they're praying for? Like, because it felt so good. I was like, is that what they're praying for for us? Because women pray for men, I think, a lot more than men may pray for women. I, I'd, I'd love to be wrong, by the way. But like, just that I think that, you know, women are being that so connected. And they, you know, they're always like, oh, please, like, get him the job that he wants, or please get him whatever he needs, or, or please, like, you know, help him see what he needs to or get more spiritual. Like, they're always praying for us. And I was thinking as like, the closer I get to my soul, and having this relationship and with God, I'm like, is this what they, is this what they pray for us for? And I was just like, wow, like, <laughs> right. they want us to win. And it just, like, it's just interesting, like you were bringing up, like, about the relationship dynamic, like, what is it not giving me versus like, what should I be giving it? Um, mm -hmm. Switches the whole thing around. And I was just like, man, I, I was just like, it just, it blew me away to thinking about they're praying for us to win. They're praying for us to have all these things. It may not always come out that way, but they're doing it that way. And it just, it hit me so hard because I was like, wow, we, if we only honored that contribution more and understanding of why they want that for us. Because once we feel that connection, we're like, damn, you know, and then we want to contribute mm -hmm. more. And then you've got this kind of like, and that honesty comes out, you know. Um, but I also, I also do recognize that um, honesty for men has to come out in relationships also that are that are also safe for receiving that because the the dynamic yeah. the landscape has changed a little bit <laughs> and i was I, I was once asked by a guy he was like he said he asked me on this like live i think it was on clubhouse uh i'll, I'll expand on that here in a little bit and I get your, your take on it um but um he said well you know matt i'm, I'm always i've been honest with like women and like sometimes they were they didn't really want to hear. And I felt like a little bit judged. And then, you know, and I was like, all right, I was like, just ask them to politely, you know, if they were judged to a point of like, kind of putting you down, like just ask them to politely step out of the doorway so you can receive the opportunities of the one to come through. And he's like, oof. And I was like, yeah, it's just honoring self um, from a values place. Because if that honesty was judged, you know, and you were downgraded for some for that and the space wasn't safe it does not it's not indicative of you it just might be an environment that is no longer serving and you've you're now just raising that awareness mm -hmm. from being honest you know so yeah i like that that's the reorganization of seeking validation through how someone responds to the truth versus mm -hmm. how you feel expressing the truth uh, you know i think we need to take responsibility for how we deliver it and you know, as you said, if you're delivering it with grace, respect, reverence, you can't predict how someone's going to receive something. And, you know, the, I often remind people that you don't use your voice so that people can validate what you say. You use your voice so you yourself can hear it. And that's actually the transformative process is you witnessing yourself in expression when, let's say, generations ago that, you know, your maternal or paternal side, uh, was silenced and maybe hasn't spoken truth since. That's why expressing a boundary or a vulnerability, like if you're a woman or a man, if you look up your family tree, probably not many men expressing their feelings, you know, and, and that's the shape of cultural conditioning. So if you're someone who's doing that, 
a lot of women don't trust male emotion because male emotion has been manipulative. Mm -hmm. So the repair has to come back together. And you were talking about how women tend to pray for men more. And yeah, you know, I think in the definition of prayer, I think, you know, there's a part of that is just women generally seeking relational information much more than men. Men seek business related information. And that makes sense because how ultimately is a male's value predicted? First off, male are men are purpose driven. Not to say that women aren't, but I think we just are because we tend to have inherited the provider role, and so we're purpose driven. And um, in that context, you know, we have uh, the reorganization has to occur of like where does value come from? And I think in the conversation that we have with men and women is. Uh, looking at how do we even begin to draw a bridge to understanding one another, you know? I think for men, emotion is generally seen as weakness. So even though we might hear, I want a man who's emotionally intelligent and able to be in touch with his feelings, we often don't trust that delivery and most men don't even have the language to do that, you know? So when a man becomes emotionally fluent, he is... Uh, when a man becomes emotionally fluent, he is actually rebelling against the paradigm and the, the framework of what it means to be masculine. So there's actually a reclamation that occurs if he still sees his value once he's expressed that thing. The feminine doesn't always know how to receive that. And I think the interesting thing about the feminine is that uh, there is a desire to want to hear that. And also survival-wise, women have had to know male emotion. They've had to understand emotion because their actual life depended on it. And so, I mean, how do we, I mean, how do relationships provide value or sorry, see value in partnership and in different ways of being like, mm -hmm. you might have a woman now who's the provider and the man who stays at home. And of course there's different gender constructs of how this looks, but how do we still see the male as valuable? Often society doesn't hold a stay at home male valuable, but we really celebrate the female CEO. And then women also have to choose between being a stay at home and mom. And is that seen as valuable anymore? Is that a rebellion against new feminism? I mean, there's so much complexity right. to it. It's like, there's no way you can do it right. You just got to fucking do it, do what feels right for you. That That's it right there with so many nuances. It should, if anything, express to each person, instead of everybody trying to force their construct onto each other, create the one that works best for you and your you know, partnership. Um, and we're, but that are also having those open, honest conversations, you know, and, um, mm -hmm. one thing I've noticed is there were generations of women where they wanted men to express more because what happened when they weren't, especially in our <clears throat> parents and grandparents, uh, you know, generation, them not expressing made the ground shaky. Is there something I don't know? I feel something, but he's not telling me, you know, there's a lot of that going on, which led to, you know, eventually a, a higher divorce rate. And then, you know, you had a lot of women tell their daughters, you know, Hey, um, have your own bank account, never get married, never, you know, don't rely on a man, don't all this stuff. Never and, depend. and, and which is an interesting, you know, and I, I said on a podcast once I said, I would have changed the language. So I love when you talk about emotionally fluent, I would have, I would have changed the language first from the mom standpoint, I would have said, listen, here's how I made choices. If I were to give advice on maybe something you should look at in your choices to make sure that these things, you know, 
uh, like look for these values, look for open communication for the things that you didn't get talk about that versus setting up the next generation to pass down, uh, you know, the, the failure, the trauma, the, whatever it might be, right. Pass down the prison, as you said. Um, and so I think there was a little bit of that. And then interestingly enough, because they became more kind of, you know, dominant then in, in, in the hyper-independence. And then now, now like men finally coming around and be like, maybe I should talk about my shit. You know, and then it's sort of like, yeah, right. and then, and then men talk. So, and it's funny watching sometimes the flip-flopping where then the men started talking about their shit and women be like, I can't trust you. And you're like, oh shit, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> what I had found, what I had found is the beauty of balancing of the energies where like, if you understand how the masculine and feminine energies work and obviously, you know, not getting into all the different constructs, you know, gender constructs, but like, um, typically the men and the warrior, like where, um, they're, they're using more of their, their masculine. But, um, I guess what I learned was the masculine is the right side, the feminine is the left side, which makes sense where the heart is. And that mm -hmm. women are very good at getting the masculine, um, the, the man back into their heart because that's where the truth is. So they don't get scorned by being out at like on the battlefield all day. But what I learned was that, um, for me, the ability to say, here's how I'm feeling. Here's what's going on. So you are aware. I want you to know. I want to communicate so you know what's happening with me. But I'm also committed to working through it and working on it. But I wanted you to know where what's happening with me. So you like you, you know, so I think it's giving them what they want, what they always wanted, which was that communication and that vulnerability, like, oh, wow, like you're going through that. Thank you for letting me know. But then also not being like, let me keep complaining about all the things and the vulnerability of like, just like, let me just share like, now I'm this, now I'm that. And like, I can't pick myself back up. But instead saying like, actually, here's what I am dealing with, but I'm dealing with it, but I'm I'm willing to look into it uh, or I'm already looking into it and I'm just bringing it up because I want you to be aware. That actually, then I think that kind of vulnerability is for sure like, wow, I now know, like she can feel, she knows his emotions and where he's coming from and how he's trying to process it. And she can even offer assistance. Like, I know how I can help you. It's like, now we're connecting. Now, now you're getting what you want and you're getting what you want, which is like, you know, that, that honest, honesty is foreplay yet again. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, yeah, wow. Right. Like, okay, cool. And, and the man's not succumbing to it as a weakness. He's saying like, no, I'm identifying what's, what's, what's actually going on. I'm, I'm a blind spot, a troubling thing or something that's happening, but I'm, I am willing to work on it. And here's how I'm already trying. And if, you know, I just wanted you to be aware and, you know, you're my wife or you're my, you know, my partner, I would love for your, you know, your, your help, uh, or just your, just, just you, just you to know about it. So you know, what's going on in case you wonder why my energy's off. I don't want you to ever have to assume that's my job to keep you informed. Right. But we have to, they don't teach that in school. Like you said earlier, <laughs> they definitely don't yeah, teach that in school. Don't. You know, wouldn't that be so nice? If they right. taught like conflict resolution <laughs> and how to navigate, how to deepen intimacy through disagreement. I mean, that really is the power of being in relationship. Is right. you're not, you know, there's a great quote. Everything after that will make sense. You know, I think that if we had that just understanding of relationship that we're not trying to turn someone into another version of us or to make them like all the same shit, then we get fucking boring. And, you know, you made such a good point there of like, when you bring emotion to your partner and you welcome them into the process, there's a witnessing, there's a vulnerability that occurs, emotion that you're seeking 
not to say that it's not beautiful for a partner to say, I really witness you in that. And you have the right to feel that way. I get it. I just mean like that my worth depends on them agreeing with my feeling yeah. versus yeah. me expressing the feeling and the intention be to create vulnerability and intimacy. And I think when we can do that, I mean, that's such a shift. I think there's so much healing that's occurring between the genders. And I think, um, you know, we really as men or the masculine needs to be space for feminine rage from the patriarchy and from what we've inherited and for women in relationship to hold masculine grief. Cause there's a lot of grief, Ooh. like men didn't win from those relationship structures either. Like I, go have this job, work at a factory, don't know your family, be a stranger in your home. And then when you retire at 60 something, your partner will probably leave you because you're not emotionally fluent and not giving her what she needs. I mean, it's a trap. And I know so many older men who feel let, lied to by society. Like your value was in being a provider 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. And now society's like, but you're not emotionally attuned. Well, I was always working. How can I be emotionally attuned? So I think it's a real, I think there's a whole generation of men that have been left behind. And just my, much like we're repairing, as you said, this overt individuation that occurred to say like, never depend on a man, never. Well, that's, that doesn't allow anyone in. And so there's yeah. this overt masculine is masculinization. I think that's a word, but right. it, it, again, and there's no receiving, there's no softening. And you use the word surrender earlier. God, what a gift that is um, right. when we feel safe enough to do that. Often we're surrendering to people who aren't even safe, you know, we're calling it love. Well, and it's interesting. Um, the idea of surrender being used as, well, I don't want to put myself into a prison and you're like, you are in one because <laughs> you know, right. it's, you it's always the opposite. Like, wait, what? Like surrender is not giving up your rights it's getting more of them back it's getting more of who you really are back mm. it's by it's being That's beautiful right you know it's like no um this space is safe for you to be all of who you are surrender the masks surrender the the things you have to live up to surrender all the things that you're you know um not getting in touch with because you're trying to, you know, abide by certain constructs in society and all this stuff. And instead you're like, oh, wow, if I, you know, as I'm speaking as from a man's perspective, if I am a safe, reliable, consistent, honest, loving place, you don't have to raise me. <laughs> you don't need, you know, like you don't have to right. assume how's he doing? What's going on? I need to worry about him. I need to this. I mean, yeah, you might have the general worry of like, oh, I want to make sure he's good. Like, you know, anything I can do to support him. But you're not, you're not the energy and the nervous system, especially with women, uh, speaking again as from a from a man's perspective, uh, and in my, you know, uh relations, it's like um they their nervous system and their their intuitions on high alert, they know things. And so it's like, when that's calm, what they're left with is, I guess I'll do more of what makes me me. And you're like, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly yeah. like, yeah. And then when that, and then the more you're that, the more you're refining all of the gifts and the individuality that you have, the greater your gifts expand and your intuition. I need you to be you greater and greater and greater because a greater you is like hey i'm like feeling things i'm seeing things by the way did you notice this like good catch thank you 
teammate. Thank you, Scotty Pippen. Like, man, you've been working on your three-pointers, haven't you? Like, I have been. Because you haven't been worrying about me, who's just right next to you on the court playing too. And if I'm playing and you're playing and, you know, and, or you're watching me, you're like, I like how he's shooting those threes. Like, okay, maybe I need to adjust myself a little bit. Like, now we're learning. We're contributing. That's why I always use a basketball because it's like, it's so easy for, especially with, with couples. parallel. So easy. Like, I use sports pretty much for, like, every analogy. <laughs> like, we're, like, training for the Olympics. And it's like, uh, as a side note, you know, it's like, you know, when you're really going for something that you just truly believe in, it's funny how the world can distract you. And you're like, you know, um, and almost kind of like, oh, you always say no. And like, oh, you never have time. I'm like, if I told you I was running for the Olympics in six months, you'd be like, what else do you need? Can I bring you some things? Don't ever pick up this phone ever again. Like, there, people, it's like, oh, so for a status of winning the gold medal Olympics, Okay, you'll support me. But if I say just like for this business or, you know, some things I'm reorganizing that I, I don't have time to show up to all the things and people can be a little hard on you, like, man, you're always busy. You never have time. You never this. It's like, or as an entrepreneur, you can ask me like what I might need right now because I'm going pretty hard. Right. So yeah, I think when we start to look at it from seasons, like I find with my relationship, there's some seasons that I need more than she does. And there's seasons mm -hmm. she needs more yeah. support than I do. And I also find from an awareness perspective, you know, sometimes uh, we're playing leapfrog. Like I learned something, invite her forward. She learns something, invites me forward. I love the analogy though, because it's so true. We we might have someone right parallel to us shooting threes and we don't even realize that we're teammates, you know? And yeah. I know so many people in relationship who are living totally isolated, like individual lives that are not open to their partner. They might only go to their friends about the things that matter to right. them. That's more true, like- when relationships end, it's usually women who initiate the ending. And uh, that's about, it's like most of the time, I believe it's 90% of the time. And it takes about two years from the day she says I'm disappointed or things aren't good, which that just makes sense from a survival-based perspective. Women are more accurate barometers of relationship. And what happens though, is that when a woman loses her relationship, she doesn't lose lose her support system because she tends to turn towards her friends. But men tend to turn towards their relationship most of the time for personal support. So when they lose their relationship, they generally lose their support system. And by the time they're ready to do the work they're being invited to do, it's too late. And you know, that's why I've always said like, it's just like when someone makes a request for change or transformation, don't wait till it's too late. Like right. it's always in service of your highest evolution, mm -hmm. you know? Almost always, because there are always exceptions of highly manipulative people, and that's yeah. a whole other podcast. I will, and we'll do that, I'm sure too. Yeah, you know, when when you see somebody doing the work, um, my commitment is always very simple. When I've learned uh, something that I have done wrong, not just in life, but especially in a relationship, um, something new that I've learned, I don't make the same mistake twice. Same. I like that. I really don't, like. If you do, it's a choice. Yes. Yes. Um, and um, because the best apology is change behavior and women see that they see that. And um, I love being known for being consistent. I love that. Like, like, nope, nope, actually he, he showed up like, you know, and then showing that that's also respect. That is love. That's respect. That's, you know, it's listening. Oh, wow. Like he, she, a woman could say, like, wow, he heard me like, and mm -hmm. He, you know, and, 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 and that's where I think the humility is so important on our side is because like, when I hear that the mirror is, I, I once heard a, a rabbi, not a rabbit, a rabbi say, um, a rabbi. Uh, uh, he, I liked how he said, he's like, um, 
uh, no people, nobody is uh, perfect, obviously. He's like, but um, two people can be imperfectly perfect for each other as mirrors to the soul. He's like, and he was talking about his wife and he was saying that his wife's imperfections are a perfect way for him to grow and his imperfections and problems are a perfect way for her to grow. Meaning that some of, he knew as a man areas where he had to improve and the, the problems that she encountered sometimes gave him insight where to improve his game. And that is like a really, that's, that's a gift. That's what I'm saying. Like, the, and, and, you know, another that's reverence. Yeah. 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 Like, cause you're, you're sitting like, and he was talking about, he was saying, you know, he's like, Matt, he's like, I'm, I'm probably not as assertive as you in some manners, just the, from the way you speak. And he's like, he was saying how he was a little passive at times. And he said that his wife would rely on him, you know, to, um, uh, you know, hey, can you fix this or can you fix that? And sometimes he would stall or he wouldn't get around to it. And eventually she would do it. And he goes, I'm wrong. And so I've been starting to do it more where if I'm either don't want to or I'm tired or I'm not sure how, I'll figure it out as um, I want to be reliable and um, I want to be assertive, not passive. I want to be a source of support, not, you know, an extra job. And I was like, and he's like, and I, he's like, I knew that about me before I was married. He's like, and I really know it about it now. And that gives me a, a truth to my soul of like, oh, where can I, what can I, you know, what else, what, where can I improve my game? And, um, and that's, that's, that's the beauty again of like partnership, not this, like, they're going to hold me back in a prison. And it's like, no, no, no. Well, first of all, how are you choosing? You know, right. again, this, this all goes back to like, yeah. you choose a partner to win championships. That's what you were like, you know, that you want to, you and because what happened was, it was probably about six years ago and, and another rabbi had said to me, he was like, well, you're good. I was like, okay, thank you. And he goes, I mean, no, I love, love everything you're doing, everything you're building, you know, you're good. And I was like, and he goes, you could be great. I'm like, okay. I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. He goes, well, you know, partnership. He's like, and, but he, and he was talking about a very knowing, strong, um, connected, heart-centered woman will elevate your game. He's like, as a one player person, you cannot integrate what you are learning spiritually, emotionally, financially, physically, like until you are in the game playing with another. And that's a major choice as well, because a good one will elevate your game for the things that you're not yet, you know, privy to. Um, and, you know, it's like, especially as you get responsible for partner, children, community like it expands like your that's creation right um and uh i was like Oof. he's like yeah you can't integrate what you learn unless there's more than one but <laughs> like, yeah actually that makes sense you know otherwise you could just have theory right <laughs> <laughs> well imagine if we turn towards all the triggers we have all the relationships we have and we see them as gateways to our growth i mean that it's it's hard to see our defensiveness or right anything like that as a window to healing and wisdom. You know, I love that you said you never do the same thing twice. And years ago, that's why I think we're such uh, brothers from another mother, is, is years ago I had the recognition when I wanted to break up with this woman. And I was like, I had made a rule that I'd have all the conversations I never wanted to have. That was a rule I made when my engagement, my first that relationship in my late 20s ended. And I was sitting there like, I'll just wait like a few weeks. I don't want to have the conversation yet. And when I actually broke up with her, she said to me, you knew this three weeks ago and you didn't say anything. And you allowed me to deepen and open more for three weeks when you knew. And I had this like such a pain of awareness. And I made this rule 
that I had to have every conversation I didn't want to have, but I had to have it the moment that I felt the need to have it. Yeah. And <laughs> I followed up to another rule, which was, which I, that's a hard, there was a hard rules to live by. And it doesn't mean I don't slip, but I always come back. But the other one is that I will always live at my highest level of knowledge. And so that really speaks to what you're saying. As soon as I learn something, I have to change. And, you know, I think then the higher levels of integrity and the higher levels of change require um, more powerful choices and movements, but they are always bringing us deeper into ourselves, which is deeper into our power. Like you just become powerful the more in integrity you are with your values and your spirit and what brings you alive. Like how many heartbeats do we have that we're going to waste not being brought fully alive? You know, I think it's Wayne Dyer who has that quote, don't die with the music still inside you. And that quote really spoke to me when I was so afraid to start. And my coach at the time said to me, uh, how arrogant to, to believe that your gifts are for you. Mm -hmm. Your gifts aren't for you. They're for the people who need what you want to say. And I thought, well, fuck, that's a whole different level of like my fear of starting because I'm afraid someone won't like what I'm saying or my friends will judge me because I'm talking about relationships. That I, that fear is actually holding me back from helping people who need what I want to say. And also I need to say it, which is my healing. So, you know, it was, it's just such a powerful reframe to remember that it's actually to be in service above everything. Yeah. And that um, time on earth has to be utilized very well for your time of service. I heard, I heard a, yeah. um, a quote that was like, um, when we kind of are giving away ourselves to others more like in trying to, you know, like sort of like we were saying earlier about just kind of um, coming from us, but in, instead of we're, we're coming outside of ourselves and appeasing others and doing stuff for them and doing their work or only helping them, but not ourselves and not being honest and all these things, you're stealing time from God. And I was like, Oh, Ooh. God, <laughs> like Damn. that hit me Damn. so hard. I'm like, and um, he said to me, he goes, what, what makes you think that you have that time to give away? It was, it was, yes, it was wow. given to you, but was it yours to oh. give away? And I'm like, damn, <laughs> it's like, God, that's like a gut check, stealing time from Ooh. God. I was like, <laughs> maybe I'll do that as a podcast episode on the niches here. That is <laughs> a great, yeah, it's a great reframe of like stealing time that was given to you. Right. Very How early you in my career, time? I was. Yeah, very early in my career when I worked in oncology, not early, sorry, late in my pharma career, um, I worked in oncology and hematology. Mm. And I was just so struck by when a patient was told they were going to die, how everything that was important to them rose to the surface. They call this survivorship mm. in that mm. world. Um, and I thought to myself, like, we're all, we all just think we have longer calendars, but we don't, you know? And I think it's, is it Rumi that says that the problem is you think you have time? I think that's when we recognize the gift of death, let it be a good death. Uh, we can recognize uh, that we need to choose life now. And what does it mean to choose life? To let it be mundane or is it to bring what is being asked to be brought through us into the world? And, you know, I think that's what creates immortality is to bring the kinds of gifts that live forever. Yeah. And, you know, and that's the beauty of why we can't box ourselves into any one yeah. thing, you know, as we were talking about, and it's like, Hey, no, I, I have all these things I'm still in discovery of, and it is my intention to 
be of service. So the greater I know and understand about all these things of me is to pay it forward into the world. And, you know, and so how am I using my time? And uh, am, am I stealing it from God? <laughs> you know, but oh, fuck yeah, that's a yeah, good point. I'm going to think yeah. about that. Right. Oh. Um, what what do you have going on? Anything in particular coming up that you're really excited about or, you know, anything you want to share with the audience at all? Oh, man, I have a top. When is this going to come out? Uh, probably next week. Oh, I have a uh, I'm running another cohort of dating 101 before mm. uh, Valentine's Day, which is I mean, it's the best course I've ever created. It's so good. And I say that with absolute humility, but it is like the culmination of all my work. And it's about how to create, regardless of your relationship status, how to create really powerful relationships and turn dating into a healing process mm. uh, and an expansive process. And then I'm doing a talk with Kai on February 13th, uh, which is going to be on how to uh, take your love to the next level. Nice. And um other than that, yeah, just, and then I have a baby coming in March. So I'm sure a lot of my <laughs> stuff is going to uh, start to orient around early childhood development and how uh, a child is like a little Yoda calling you to grow. So I've already experienced that just in the preparation. So that's um, incredible. That's what I got going on. No, yeah, thanks incredible. for having me, Matt. Yeah, I yeah. And uh, before I, before you tell everybody all the great places they can find you online, I got to share this, um, your post. Um, with the Seinfeld meme where um, she's breaking uh. up with him. I So I use an app to download it and I sent it to her. I sent it to my mom, I sent it to my friends. And like, I, we all we all get it, by the way. We're like, yeah, it was, I mean, it was such a great clip to so advertise good. for your for your course. But I was like, it's so good when she's like, she's like, I think we should break up. He goes, yeah, no problem. You know, <laughs> she's like, so good. she's like, what? He goes, I'll find someone else. She's like, you will. And he goes, things always work out for me. He's just like, and I didn't even realize he was humming. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes, when he's walking out. One of my That's other right. friends, one of my other friends uh, who I was going to have you guys connect. Uh, she was like, the fact that he was humming the tune, she'll be coming around the mountain. I was like, so oh, good. good clip. There's so many good Seinfeld <laughs> clips. I just like. It's so good. Um, yeah, thanks, man. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, we're, so so everybody can see that clip and everything else. And what are all the accounts or the websites or, you know, courses everywhere that they can find you online or the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, so uh, all my relational contents at createthelove.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have a personal website, markgroves.com. All the courses are on createthelove.com. There's ones on breakups, dating, one called Rediscover Your Wholeness, which is all about stepping into your full self. Mm -hmm. Um, and one on crushing codependency. I mean, there's lots of stuff. So whatever, there's a quiz to figure out which one fits you best. And um, my podcast, Mark Grove's podcast, which you're going to be on, uh, that episode will be coming out soon. And um, yeah, if anyone's interested in me speaking or anything like that, uh, markgroves.com has a speaking uh, form there. Awesome. I've got a few people I'm going to put you in touch with immediately. So uh this was incredible Thanks thank you so much for yeah it. man this is great I, I, oh and i say this every uh every guest you're welcome to come back on any time because I, i've always said it's a journey driven podcast some people they come back on a month later two months later six months later i have got a couple that come on once a year <laughs> it's been actually oh, great cool. it's actually been wa great watching like and what's going on this year like let's let's you know now that we're through the bio like let's uh what's the next issue that we're gonna be talking about you know so you're welcome back on anytime man please you know i know the audience uh, my dad who knows 
Yeah. Yeah. So that'd be, <laughs> so you could talk a little bit about that progression, of course. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I absolutely appreciate you. I know my audience does too. So thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. And, and thanks for trusting me with your audience. And yeah. thank you to all of you who listen. Appreciate yeah. it. Everybody who's listening right now, markgroves.com, uh, at create the love, uh, you guys, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, <laughs> but it'll all be in the show notes. But like the moment I put this up on my stories yesterday, you guys were all like, oh, this is going to be a great convo. So you guys, you know, um, please uh, like and support and follow if you're not already following Mark. And then also, you know, he's got several programs so you can reach out and you can look at some of the courses if you need resources. We live in a time of leverage and resources to get information that we need, you know, open up. It's okay. Like we're all just figuring out this stuff along the way and we, we have to do the work. And, you know, luckily we're all here to help each other. So I just implore everybody to do that. And, uh, you know, so for my, my guest, Mark Groves, for myself, Matt Gossman, the hustle sold separately, we're out. Mm -hmm.